Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I'm Emily, and this week we have another special guest, and our special guest this week is Jess the Death Empath. She is a death bestie and grief buddy, and she is also going to be presenting at the fourth annual season of the Witch Conference coming up October 6th and 7th. So I'm going to actually, you're probably going, what does she do? So I'm going (laughs) to bring Jess on and let her tell you about the work that she's doing in the world. Welcome, Jess. Hi. Um, thank you for the introduction. That was actually perfect. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I'm a, you know, I am a death doula and death walker, death companion, but I'm an ancestral death doula. So, um, for those who may not be familiar what a death doula is, we are a non-medical end of life support system. That sounds very vague. <laughs> we're not, <laughs> we're not hospice. We are, we are a support system to hospice or can be. Um, and I'm an ancestral doula, so I bring in, uh, you know, ancestral knowledge and practices, rites of passage, bringing sacredness to death and grief work, and um, trying to help people just be a little more comfortable with their mortality and the mortality of others and how powerful it is to be with someone in transition and to witness all that. Do you find that in the work that you do, uh, you tend to be more there for the person who is dying or more there for the people who are around them? I love that or- question. There's actually now we're starting to branch off where you can just be a transitional uh, death doula, which means you're there sitting with someone who's actively passing. Okay. Or you can be kind of what I am, which is you also do death education, advocacy. Um, you try to help people self-actualize okay. through their understanding of themselves and the possibility of them dying. Cause I mean, we're all going to get there. And um, so now we're starting to understand that the death dual role doesn't have to just mean that you're sitting with someone who's actively passing. It can actually be a multitude of different things. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like I know, you know, I, I was with my grandmother while she was dying and she, there were times where she was very much not present with me, but in her own process and couldn't communicate. And um, I could see how my role being there was really supporting her energetically, spiritually, all of that. Um, But I can also see how it would have been beneficial to have somebody there supporting me in that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So that's actually something that I recently started specializing in was bringing back the old traditions of uh, death companioning, being a family. Yeah a family kind of rite of passage because it's really hard. And I think we talked about this earlier being the sole caretaker, yes. especially when it comes to death labor is very intense and you're so in it. You don't realize like you too need to be supported and held. And so what I like to do when I work with families, I always kind of do this thing where it's like, let's find what you're good at and let's just really elaborate Mm. and expand on that. Like if you love running errands, you're going to be the one who's going to go get the donuts and the coffee for everyone. And you're going to put the food orders in. If you're someone who's like a night owl, you're going to get the night shift and you're going to do nighttime medications. This is if someone say elects to pass away at home. Mm -hmm. And so hospice isn't there 24 seven, right. You know, medications still have to be administered and things of that nature. So I think that's a beautiful thing that you just said that because it's so important. You do need 
even as death doulas, we typically don't work alone. We need a support system. We need to take shifts. And we did that in my family. My mom and my uncle and I all took shifts sitting with my grandma. We'd be like, okay, I can do this for two hours or I can do this for four hours today. Mm -hmm. And then the next person would cycle in. Um, And we had some overlap, but a lot of it was just each of us taking time sitting with her. uh, So she wasn't alone, you know? Yeah. And that in and of itself, people don't understand how important that is. Yeah. And then in our work as kind of witchy practitioners, we understand the energetics behind it because Mm-hmm. It's funny, you may not be processing it in the moment, but when you look back through like that kind of uh, veil of understanding, the energetic veil, you see how important and what, and they speak to you. They do communicate with you. Yeah. Your loved ones kind of say thank you or are, are grateful. There's this gratitude energetically to them. And then you also feel good about being there because you're like oh okay I was scared about this but I'm really glad I showed up for them because I'm that's mm-hmm. showing up for myself in this because the witnessing is is very important as well yeah and it I mean I I can speak from my own experience it was extremely painful at times there was like really beautiful really painful really difficult and my my own grief was really profound on multiple levels because it was a difficult dying process And, um, and I don't think we talk enough about what dying looks like in our culture, Mm -hmm. you know, as Americans, it's like, you don't really see that, uh, on TV or, you know, in our popular culture, we see people get like shot and now they're dead and, you know, or we see slasher films, but we don't actually see what actually happens for people. And it varies depending Mm -hmm. on how people are dying, but I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think it's helpful to have some knowledge like you were saying you're a death educator and I feel like if I had had somebody to talk to about the process it might have been a little bit I don't know if it would have been easier but but maybe yeah I think just the practical aspects of what the aesthetics of death are like the real life every day what to expect like hey this is what the dying body looks like and no they don't want to eat and drink and that's totally Mm -hmm. okay they're not starving to death the body just start shutting down it's like shutting down systems one at a time yeah um you know how the skin starts to turn and model and you know starts going through modeling and rigor mortis and the different stages so even if we're just communicating about the physical attributes of those you know last few days two weeks i think it would help people not be so unsettled because it can be very unsettling if you don't know what to expect especially if you remember the person one way and you come in towards their end of life. And I mean, like the last few days and you're like, whoa, what is this? Because Uh human beings do tend to almost start looking like mummy versions of themselves. Like these very skeletal, skeletal, physical um, aspects of who they once were. Uh And I think that's also very hard for people to digest is that um, what we really look like in our dying process. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny too, because there's like smells involved. Yep. And they're not unpleasant smells. There's that death smell that can be sweet. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit, uh, there's like a sweet kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but there's almost like this thick sweetness to skin and the way the skin can sheen or dry out. It's like, but understanding just like I said, the very physicalness of it helps you come into the situation with at least some sort of groundedness like yes. it's not just picking you off your feet um and then also the things that you can do though the things that are permissible like 
I'm always telling people, keep talking to them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if their hearing was good and intact before they started actively passing, then they can still hear you. If they loved music, sing to them, play their favorite songs, mm-hmm. um, you know, read to them. Uh, if clients are religious, you know, I'll, if they're Catholic, I'll read from, you know, their books, their, their Bibles, um, you know, just anything that could, could ease the dying process for them or bring calm. Um, Also, I think one of my favorites is putting hands on the body when I tell Mm -hmm. them that they can massage their feet or paint their nails or climb into bed with them as long as there's not, if they're not causing any pain or harm. Yep. So just things like that. And then um, as death doulas, we're primarily just taught to hold space, to be like a neutral container of support for all the things, Mm -hmm. all the emotions Mm -hmm. and all the feelings, um, obviously within reason. And that's also really helpful just to have someone there, like just kind of, kind of going, Hey man, it's okay. You're, you got this. Yeah. yeah. This is all normal. Yes. You're going to laugh one minute, cry the next, mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, space out for a sec. And, you know, I think it's just having that kind of um, nurturing support system mm-hmm. in that space would be incredibly helpful. I think for the majority of us. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I'm really curious because you said uh, that you bring in ancestral practices. When you talk about that, are you speaking about bringing in their ancestral practices or are you talking about your own ancestry and bringing your knowledge from that? Like what, how does that land for you? So the ancestral aspects of it is bringing in my own Okay. when, when it's um, called on, right? <laughs> so w- you understand this being a practitioner, you know, mm-hmm. we, we use it we don't we're not constantly just you know casting spells or doing our you know kind of invitations or any of that stuff it's it's like that's what we live in and then when people ask certain things of us we go hey let me look at my toolbox and what can I help you with Uh my arsenal of tools you know um but I encourage when I'm helping people become death doulas to go into their own family history and and dive deep into like their ancestral practices because this whole modern way of looking at death and dying um, is a little over 100 years old but before you would have like a family member who for some reason was naturally the death guide of the family um so in in so i my family their background not my direct family but my you know aunts uncles grandma they're Catholic. And so we would have these things called novenas where a family member would lead a nine day vigil, (laughs) you know, um, as the person's dying or afterwards. So it's kind of like you have these, a lot of us have these death practices that we're Uh just unaware of. And there used to be family members that would just kind of step into the role. So I always uh, talk about, Hey, you know, look into your history your your actual family history and see if you have any kind of death practices, ancestral ways of shrouding the body or holding the body or praying over the body or, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm talking to people who want to become death doulas. When it comes to my practices, if people are open to them, I like to do altar building. I like to light into the candle, uh, doing remembrance candles, um, you know, calling the spirits in, calling family members in. And this is this is something that uh, people can relate to for the day of the dead. When uh-huh. we do an when we do an ofrenda, right? So when we do an altar, we're calling in our dead loved ones. But you can do that by cooking their favorite meal. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be just specifically one day out of the year. It can actually be like 
I'm calling in my family member, my dead loved one by cooking their favorite meal and doing a place setting for them and lighting this candle, you know, putting some copal out, you know, some incense and doing a little tobacco cleanse. And, you know, there's all that. And I also do something called um, the sanctuary wow. where I will help people visualize a place where they can communicate with their dead loved ones. Mm -hmm. They don't have to wait to speak to say like a medium or a psychic for their loved ones to come through. I create this visualization practice where it's like your brain doesn't necessarily know the difference between a new memory and an old memory. So I duplicate an old memory and I create this space where their loved one can always live and they can always visit their loved one there and have conversations. And I help them build out this whole space. And um, I have them like sit at a coffee table or at a dining room table or outside on the patio. Like I have them duplicate a memory that's neutral, but full of love, mm -hmm. but it's not some like epic event. It's just like a total everyday kind of situation. And I go, you can connect with your loved ones all day, every day, if you want to, you don't have to mm. wait for them to come and send you signs or visit you in dreams. That's beautiful if you want to do that. But like, sometimes people want to communicate with their, their dead loved ones every day, all day. So yeah. altar building helps do that, giving them a place to remember them, to have them in your mind. Um, and I also talk about how your loved ones energetically live with you too. So anyone that you've been involved with for a long period of time, energetically, you start to meld and, you know, commune. Yeah. Um, and then on the biological level, you literally share cells and DNA and like blood and all the things. And so I go, you can also connect with your loved ones through those things. So that's where my ancestral stuff really kicks in. It's where uh -huh. I help people reconnect to their dead loved ones. That's beautiful. And, and I love it. I mean, as, as someone who has an ancestral altar in my home at all times yeah. of the year, <laughs> yeah. totally, you know, we've got our beloved dad on, on display in our kitchen. So it's, um, and I, I understand the value of that. So I appreciate that you're bringing that to people who, who might not have been familiar with it otherwise. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much, there's so much advice that our dead loved ones can still give you. Like uh, you, you know, like say for instance, if you had a really close relationship with your mom, or your dad, and you were to reach out to them and ask for advice, even now, and you can pretend you're on the phone with them and asking them for advice, you know what they would say, right? Even if it's in your voice. And I tell people this at first, I'm like, Hey, like at first it'll sound like you. And then after mm -hmm. a while, they're going to start chiming in and you're like, Oh, that is definitely my mom or dad's voice or my best friend or whatever. And you know what they're going to tell you, right? you know what they're going to say and you know how they're going to react to things. And so it's like this, this bringing them back into your memory every day keeps them to an extent living in your sphere, living inside you in your kind of ecosystem. Well, I think it's important to remember that relationships change us and they change us by giving us you know, a mirror, a reflection of ourselves in yeah. all of those conversations, in all of the ways that they give advice or we interact and we internalize that. And so yeah. to remember that we can access that information and, and, you know, it, depending on how you look at it, maybe it's just a memory. Maybe it's just the way we have, we are holding them in ourselves at all times, but beyond that, maybe it also gives us more access to people in the spirit world. It really yeah. depends on the lens you're looking at it through. Right. Yeah. And I think both are, are great. I think totally. both are acceptable forms. Like if you're the person who's like, you know, I think I'm just going to use this as like uh, memory of them, mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of going back through my catalog. I'm like, right. Oh, this is the 
information I have. That's one way. Or you can go with the very spiritual woo-woo way, right? <laughs> go, no, I'm connecting. Like I'm connected with my ancestors and my dead loved ones. And this is really like they're over, they're protecting me and they have, there's oversight here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my bias is that both are actually true. It's just a matter of how you're looking at it, right? Yeah. Uh, what yeah. you're most comfortable with. But I think it's all happening at once. <laughs> hey, I'm all for options. <laughs> I'm like, you, yes, yes to all of it. Yeah. Options fit and suit you. Cool. That's that's all that matters. Absolutely. So um you talk about your witchiness. How does that play a role? I mean, you just shared the ancestral piece. Do you feel like that's the primary way that it shows up in your work? Or are is there other little witchy bits that pop in? Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Is that too big of a question? (laughs) No, no. I think it's just because I still, so I'm a, I'm an animist. You know, people always ask me like, what, what do you follow? I'm like, I'm an animist. I believe everything has sentience or modern animist and um, everything is connected and has reverence and Mm -hmm. should be held in community as if it were yourself. So, I mean, that lends heavily into the the witchy pagan um I call myself feral would love to be in some like Mexican jungle (laughs) 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 just communing with with the animal spirit world all the time my witchiness shows up in my connection to uh people and to animals Uh um, primarily so I'm that kind of practitioner I okay. use animals to amplify my work. Um, so I am a, I am a curandera and I'm a, a shaman in training. Mm-hmm. So my don, I've found my don, which my purpose is to help people actually self-actualize to de- through death, to the death lens. And um, the witchy stuff is, is very fascinating to me because it's, it's a practice and I am, when I'm in it, I'm in it and I can feel it. And when I'm out of it, it kind of just like, so for instance, I'll get these feelings of my dad's going to call me, my dad's going to call me soon. And my dad's the the witchier one. His, his, my, my grandma was like more of a practical, like kitchen witch. She would do a lot of like teas and medicines in the kitchen, mm-hmm. but she was also like, you know, they had a ranch and a home. She was like, you know, traditional homesteader. So that was all part of that before anyway, we were much more connected to the earth and the land. Mm-hmm. So your your practices, your everyday practice seems seem very much of the witchy sort. Um, but my dad, you know, all of a sudden he calls me, of course, because he and I are very connected that way. And he starts talking to me about, yeah, I was, you know, out there picking uh, leaves to make myself this tea, this passion fruit leaf. And then it smacked me in the face. And I felt like, oh, my daughter would relate. So I'm going to give her a call. <laughs> so it's kind of more <laughs> of these like connections energetically is where mm-hmm. my witchiness shows up. Um, you know, like I call it the quantum conscious state. I call it, you know, quantum energy, uh, but it's pretty much that. So going, reconnecting to my ancestral uh, practices of the indigenous kind of yaki and indigenous Mexica or you know native mexican um it blends so there's a lot of energetic work mm-hmm. and then there's obviously the practical herbal work mm-hmm. um and then there's all the different types of healer work so mm-hmm. i do possess the ability to heal through hands-on healing 
you know, mm-hmm. physical touch. Sure. I'm very, I'm very selective because I get drained incredibly easily and fast. Mm-hmm. And um, I do automatic channeling. Okay. So I used to, I used to do these sessions called quantum healing sessions with people. And there would be about, oh, two weeks worth of work in a two hour sitting. And I wow. would just automatically, I would channel into automatic writing. Mm-hmm. And then I would just feel all this like energy and um, I would bring a lot of insight and understanding into, you know, whatever it was, whatever situation they were looking to kind of get answers into. Um, but the ability is really me being able to tap into someone else's consciousness mm-hmm. and derive their own information and intuition. Uh-huh. So again, it's that the same Got, being a guide just in a different way where I'm like, you have all this information inside of you. I'm just going to help collect and cultivate it for you and go give it right back to you and be like, this is what I heard and saw in your little, in your world. Cause everyone's world would look very different. Uh-huh. So it would feel like being transported into someone like, so I don't know if, if you're familiar with this or if you have any kind of similar um, stories where when I'm working with people and they allow me in because it is an invitation, I never without permission or consent go into someone else's like consciousness. And it's almost like you're astral projecting in and then everyone's world looks so different. (laughs) You know, I always would think that your consciousness was this kind of like obscure scientific kind of thing where it's just like atoms or molecules or whatever, like it's just energetic stuff happening. But I would literally be portaled into these places, places. And I'd be like, what the, Mm-hmm. Like and everyone's would be so detailed and different colors, and I would get all this insight. Um, some people's informations would co- information would come in like movie visuals, like cinematic, mm-hmm. like clips, and then other people it would feel like I was literally in a place, like I was traveling to somewhere in a different country. Um, and then colors like uh, vivid yellows and marigolds and butterflies floating around and I'm just like it was such a cool thing so I my first year of doing guidance calls with people I was with like 120 150 people wow not including workshops and you know group calls and programs I was doing and it was just so because at first I'm like I'm losing my mind (laughs) I am going absolutely insane Uh, But because it started happening so often and so frequently and everyone's was so different and textured so differently and styled and colors, I was like, no, this is definitely something that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I would just go with it. I'm like, I'm not going to question this. Am I going to fight it? I'm just going to go with whatever this is. And like I said, I'm going to cultivate, curate, give it back to them and see if it tracks for them. And it Mm -hmm. would. A lot of people would be like, yeah, that's exactly like kind of like the feeling when I'm in dream state or like I go to a meditative place. That's what it feels like and it looks like. And so that's those are my my gifts, I guess you could say those are my abilities Um, that I don't necessarily put on social media all the time. Because, <laughs> again, you know, like I feel like our practices, some of them ha- should have some mystery to them, should have a little sure. more investigation involved a little more inquiry you know it's a little more personal right so it's like what you're putting out on social media or I'll speak for myself what I put out on social media is just like a glimpse right it's like a hey hi I'm Emily and 
here's some of the stuff that I do. But if you really want to work with me, it's going to look really different uh, or deeper, I guess, than I'm still me, but it's different than what it is when, you know, when we're actually communicating one-on-one versus me being like, Hey, hi, guess who I am. Nice to meet you. Let's do this thing. Let's go cook some shit in the kitchen. Like you know? <laughs> death craft a little bit. <laughs> I don't even so. call it witchcraft. I call it death crafting. Oh, like, there you go. Death craft. Yeah. 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 So, well, how can people find you? Like, I mean, I follow you on Instagram. That's how I discovered you. I saw, I don't even remember what it was. Something last year, I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, how did I discover Jess? And I think you had like a post uh, where you were wearing like skeleton pajamas and somehow yeah. that popped up in my feed. And I was like, I have those pajamas. Yes. And then I started looking at your other stuff and I was like, Ooh, this woman sounds very interesting. Um, so that's how I found you. So obviously people can find you on Instagram. Uh, are there other ways people can discover you, reach out to you? So right now I I've, I've closed my calendar. Um, it's actually going on two years now, uh, where I will okay. every once in a while I'll, I'll work with people virtually who are transitioning or with families, like I mentioned earlier, but I don't have my books open. Like I did, because I was starting to experience some burnout mm-hmm. uh, because I was, because I was holding so much for so long yeah, uh, for so many people during the pandemic. And then um, last year I ended up becoming a baby doula caretaker <laughs> for my goddaughter. And then my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so I went uh, from like caretaker to caretaker all last year. Uh huh. And then I obviously got very sick, which, you know, that's what happens. We leave ourselves very open and susceptible right. and, I was putting out way too much healing energy and not getting any of the reserves uh, put back in. So I am at that place where now, and we were talking about this before we came on, right? Where I'm like really looking forward to the witch's new year. So I can (laughs) be like, ah, reset. Um, So as of now, nothing is really, I'm just putting content out there to help heal because I believe like you can also heal through content creation or sure. by, by seeing other people experience things that are similar to your experiences. Um, so right now I'm just more focusing on validating other people's experiences through content creation. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm pretty good about, I haven't been these last few weeks just because I've been moving, but when people DM me and they just are like not super heavy questions or, you know, uh, send me something where it's literally like a multi-page response where I'm like, how do I even respond to this in a quick way or DM? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't. Um, but if people are, you know, start having conversation or dialogue with me on, via DMs, I'm always responding like, thank you for that. Or I appreciate you. Or, you know, do, if I have the time and the energy, I'll give some quick advice. If, if asked, obviously I don't, I don't, I learned now not to just offer up advice advice. (laughs) yeah when they don't ask because most of the time they're like um no (laughs) right that wasn't what I wanted oh you know usually people aren't ready for 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 advice anyway usually people just want to be able to kind of purge and vent the feeling and the emotion they just need you as a soundboard I learned that over time (laughs) and most people don't they're not ready to face themselves in that way unless they specifically ask you to help them face themselves. And I learned that the hard way too. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, people can catch me obviously as a facilitator facilitator for your event. Yes. Uh, which is really exciting. And um, that's pretty much, I'm just 
doing some workshops here and there for other people and okay. podcasts. I, I, I'm not doing as many podcasts as I used to, but that's, I'm putting my heal, my healing work in the internet for now. So most people could find you on Instagram primarily um, yeah. as at the death empath, right? Isn't that what your, yeah. your handle is? Yeah, and I'm then also oh, go ahead. on TikTok. Yeah, oh, okay. TikTok same, same handle. Same handle. Okay. Yeah. And I'll put this in the show notes so people can find it, find you easily as well. Um, and just so people know the name of the workshop that you're offering at the season of the witch conference is ancestral death doulaship ceremony rites and rituals. Yeah. So, um, so for folks out there who are listening in are like, I definitely want to catch this one. That's the title of that workshop. So when you look at the schedule, make sure you bookmark that so you can hang out with Jess and get to hear more about the amazing stuff that she is doing in the world. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking this time today. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, making space for this conversation. I think it's great. And then obviously what you're doing is amazing too. And I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. I can't wait for the conference and to get to like share you with even more people in the world. (laughs) And I think people aren't going to expect the kind of ancestral practices that I'm talking about. You know, it'll be like a surprise. It'll be a surprise, but they're <laughs> they're like every day too. I think people just don't like think about. I feel sometimes people think rituals and yeah. ceremonies are these like big, you know, um, serious things. And you know, mm-hmm. as as a practitioner yourself, you're like, oh no, I just stirring some cinnamon, you know, right, in my coffee. Right. Why we say they can't, like they can be. You can have these massive theatrical, beautiful yeah. rituals and. You can do exactly what you said. I'm just doing this one small action with intention. And that in itself is a ritual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jess. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, and for those listening in, uh, thanks for tuning in. And I will be back next week with more witchiness for you. So until then, keep it magical. Hey there, friends. Emily here from Wise Woman Witchery. If you like what you hear on The Witch Next Door, I invite you to support us. You can do that by rating, reviewing, liking, following, uh, what else? (laughs) Whatever else it is that you do on the platform you like to listen to podcasts on. By doing these things, it actually helps other people find us. And in that way, helps us spread the magic. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And thanks for being a listener. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.